In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, You who are everywhere present and fill all things, Treasury of all that is good, Master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. We're going to continue now looking at the letter to the Romans. We're going to do chapter 14 today. We'll do Juruses 1 to 12, I hope, um, in this first section, and then 13 to the end in the next section. Uh, it's Paul giving very simple but very profound advice about life in community. And there's one particular problem that he faces, and we're not quite sure uh, the completely exact situation. It seems as though there are some people in the community who uh, think that it's wrong to eat certain foods, and others who think it's okay to eat anything. And uh, there's tension between them and uneasiness. And he's got to solve that. Now, who were these people? Well, people have opinion. The very Orthodox Jews who have come over to Christianity but keep the dietary laws of, of Judaism. Or some of the Gnostics who wouldn't, you know, we have them today, the New Age people, the Gnostics, or New Age or Gnostics, cut all your carrots in 45 degree, degrees and all that stuff. Something to do with food and diet. Um and that they could retain because it wasn't against the faith. And uh, they, they, their faith isn't strong enough for them to see, you bless it, you can eat it, no matter what it is. There's nothing intrinsically evil. I mean, you wouldn't eat poison, but I mean, of the foods that people eat, there's none that you can't eat. So he's going to spend 23 verses uh, articulating not the question about eating, but the question about getting along as a community. And he's going to say some very strong things about how not offending one another. They're very powerful. So it begins, welcome someone who is weak in faith, but don't have an argument with him. So this fellow doesn't eat meat. You want to bring him into the house and have all vegetables with yourself and his family and, and himself? Fine. But don't get into an argument about whether meat is a good thing to eat or not. Forget it for the night. See, one person believes in eating everything. The one who is weak eats vegetables. That's all. It's the only clue we got. Now, they couldn't be Jewish dietary laws because they're very specific about what meat you can eat. So we don't know, but there's some people, maybe not even of the same group, who have this weak faith. Um, when people get in, get leave the true faith, leave worshiping one God, they very often settle on food and sexuality. We have the Manichees, other people, and it's like certain things that you do for your body you shouldn't do. And Paul is saying when it comes to food, look, it's all blessed by God. You can eat it if you want. Now, if it troubles you, don't eat it. That's all. And don't you judge him. That's the whole chapter. But he says it so beautifully that it's worth really pondering. 
welcome someone, receive someone, like into your house, who is weak in faith, but not to have a dispute. One believes in eating everything. The one who is weak eats vegetables. Let not the one who eats despite, despise the one who does not eat certain foods, nor let the non-eater judge the eater, for God has accepted him. God has made him a Christian even if he does eat steak. Now you think this is silly. Well, you might not because we have so many New Agers falling back into the same traps as the Manichees and all the others. It's all in what you eat. Um, who are you, this is Paul, to judge another one's servant? You're all servants of God. You don't have a right to judge somebody else's servant. He's a servant of God. And if he thinks he shouldn't eat steak, leave him alone. If you force him to eat steak, you're forcing him to go against his conscience. Now, his conscience is weak, but maybe it'll get stronger. Just don't annoy him. Don't make life difficult for him. Be delicate. Okay? Uh, it is before his own master that he stands or fall, and he will stand for his master, that's the Lord, can enable him to stand. Or another example, one person regards one day as more important than another. Another person regards all days as the same, and each is convinced in his own mind. Well, again, don't make a big deal. Well, we got to observe all the new moons, we got to do this, we've got to... provided you're recognizing God as Creator and Jesus Christ as Redeemer and the Holy Spirit as Lord, you're all right. If you want to keep special days, it's okay. Now, there must have been already some days, of course, Shabbat, everybody kept, and they met to celebrate the Eucharist and to read the Scriptures that day. So he must be talking about some other days, civic days or whatever. you got to be careful because, you see, in most civic holidays, they worship gods. They do now, too. I mean, if you look at all the Super Bowl hoopla between halves, they're not actually worshiping gods, but they're getting close. Uh, see, one person regards one day as more important than another. Another person regards all days as the same, and each is convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats, eats for the Lord, for he thanks the Lord. And he who abstains for the Lord, and he gives thanks to the Lord. He's trying to say, look, there's differences, and they're all right. You don't have to worry about them. They're small, and it's much more important that you love and respect each other and not get tangled up in these details, okay? Now he begins to lay down some more concrete principles about this. No one among us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. For if we live, and now he gets to the deep religious, if you will, mystical point of why See, division in the community over anything, eating carrots or not eating carrots or whatever, is wrong. You don't have the right to judge your brother on those silly things. If he doesn't want to eat carrots or meat or something, leave him alone. And you think it's all right to eat everything, and you're right. Go ahead and eat everything, and he shouldn't judge you either. But it touches, this is not just how to win friends or influence people. This is the body of Christ. And we should not be condemning one another for anything 
that is within the bonds of legitimacy. So, no one among us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. The Lord is everything to us. You see? So then, whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, and now he gives the reason for all the rest, and it's very difficult to grasp. For this reason, Christ died and came to life again, that he might rule over the dead and the living. It's tough to grasp that relationship, but he's gone to the realm of the dead. So he knows that realm. He's the Lord of it. He's planted his cross there. And he's, of course, the Lord of the living. He himself is living, always living, to make intercession for us, living with a glorified, eternalized body. So he's the Lord of both the living and the dead. So then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? Now, are those two hard to know? Does he mean... Um, the one who sees you not eating meat and despises or judges you. He's a, you know, he's dumb. He's got a weak conscience or whatever. Well, why do you who stay away from me despise that one saying he's just a glutton? He doesn't understand what true discipline is. Do you see how silly this is? But in any communal life, you've got to watch it. You see? So then why do you judge your brother? Is he saying, that to the uh, the person who um, judges the one eating steak? Or why do you despise your brother, the one who won't eat steak? We will all stand before God's tribunal. That's the point. We're going to answer for our lives to God. So it matters how we treat one another. You know, our Lord said, you love your neighbor as yourself, right? Uh, love your neighbor. That means respect him, honor him. If he's in sin, call him out of it. But if he, his dietary laws are different than yours, leave him alone. Friendship is more important than whether you like the fact that he doesn't eat meat. But the one who doesn't eat meat shouldn't make a fetish out of it. I think you're understanding what Paul is trying to get at, okay? As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess God. That's an allusion to a famous text, right? It's in Isaiah. Uh, the latter part of it is in um, Isaiah 45. Um, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. That's because I alone am Yahweh. Now, those are the words that Paul takes in the letter to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, and says, to him every knee shall bow, to him every tongue confess. And he confess that Jesus Christ is Adonai. Confess that Jesus Christ is Kyrios. Or, to be bold, confess that he's Yahweh. Adonai is just the Jewish circumlocution for Yahweh. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Adonai. 
Therefore, each of us will render an account to God. And that's the end of that first um, um, section. So what is Paul? Paul the mystic, the apostle, the one quite willing to die and does die for his faith. Why is he so up involved in this sort of thing? And why did the Holy Spirit dictate it? And why is it still part of the canonical letter to the Romans? Because, my friends, we're just as small-minded and stupid as some of those Romans. You know? And we judge one another on the silliest things. But if we had unity and love and friendship in our minds, we wouldn't be doing that. Now, you see, the, the, the challenge in most developed countries is what? See, in most uh, developing countries, there's a small village, I'm thinking of Africa right now, and in the village there's a church. And everybody in the village goes. And that's the uh, context for eating meat or not eating meat. Now, we come, we get in our cars, and we drive five to ten miles, and we go into a large church where people from all over, some from this country, some have come recently to this country, most speak English as a native language, but not everybody. They might dress differently, they might have different habits. How do you make a parish? The same way. Love and respect. And that's the challenge. And so, uh, remember, each of us will render an account to God. Okay.